Bears fans, as you know, sports betting season is in full force right now, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for nearly three decades, thriving and paying you, the loyal customer. What's great about BetUS is they have loads of bonuses. So join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. BetUS gives you plenty of options in addition to the NFL. You can bet on college football games, PGA golf, UFC matches, the NBA, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone online and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus with bonus code CHICAGO125. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. What's going on, you guys? This is the Chicago Audible here from Lambeau Field. Mason, it's midnight, and we're recording this podcast, and there's like a couple people watching, but we're here to recap this 45-30 to 30 loss on Sunday Night Football. Mason, I don't know how the structure of the show is going to go, but what's, what's your – I mean, this is your first road game, right? Covering? It is, yeah, first so, road game. I mean, what's this experience been like for you? Let's see. And we'll, you know, before we even talk about this game, we're probably going to talk about the press box food and stuff like that. But yeah, how's this been? Uh, it's been really different because, you know, I low key, like I'm an, kind of an anxious person when it comes to new things. You know, it's funny enough, obviously I'm a physical therapist, but like hate talking to people and doing all that. So like leading up to it, I'm driving over and I'm like, oh man, I got to like new different parking situation. I got to find a different entrance. And then I don't know what this is going to be like, you know, it's going to be all different. It's going to be terrible. But overall, like it was a cool experience because I've never gotten to come here during game. You know, we awkwardly, weirdly happenstance ran into each other. I parked one place and then you were like Mason and I looked over and there you are, you pulled up and we got to drive through like everything that goes on around Lambeau field. And it was so cool, you know, going up into the press box, which is really nice actually. And, you know, we're going to get more into that, the food, the environment. I mean, it was a hell of an experience. It really was. I mean, just seeing this, this is my first time, like we said in the previous show here at Lambeau field, but like just seeing the stadium and seeing like there's a house, a neighborhood, just, you know, down the streets, it, it's pretty surreal and pretty crazy, but you can definitely feel the atmosphere here. And, you know, obviously the Green Bay Packers fans love their Green Bay Packers. And it really showed, you know, throughout the entirety of this game where ebbs and flows, really, where the Bears had swings, the Packers had swings, and the Packers had more than them. And that's why it ended up being the 45-30 to 30 loss. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a team, a stadium, a fandom cheer so loud for a touchback, right? <laughs> because the Bears, and we'll get into this, but we're doing really well in their returns. 
finally another touchback and it's interrupted. It was like a momentum swing right then and there. Yeah, absolutely. And man, the the fireworks here. Oh, gee, we were shaking the press box. Like it, before the game started, it sounded like a, a bomb had caught up. You're like the desk is literally shaking, and you know the Packers scored quite a few <laughs> points, so those fireworks are going off um, quite often. But yeah, it is definitely an experience. I'm so glad that we, you know, we got to be here to kind of, you know, experience this despite the outcome of the game. But you know, I think we'll we'll kind of actually, you know, what, before we talk about this game, because I told a couple of people on Twitter they're like, "What's the press box food like? What's the <laughs> press box food like?" Mason, I'll let you go first. How was the food here at Lambeau Field? So if you let's do a comparison first, like okay. Soldier Field is basically cafeteria food at your middle school. This comparatively was like when you get to the end of the week, it's Friday and you finally get to out to dinner with your parents, right? You had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches all week, or you had, you know, whatever slop they threw at you in middle school, maybe some hot dogs. And then you finally get to go out and like order whatever you want from me. That's what this was. I mean, they had a buffet, there was prime rib, they had chicken Alfredo, there, uh, there were the, the loaded mashed potatoes. The loaded mashed potatoes were awesome. I mean, like the, the broth, even like the broths, and they actually gave you things to like truly put on the broths, the sauerkraut and the special mustard. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, it was it was so good. I like I, I you know there was a salad that they had. Like I put that on there and then just load it up. And I didn't even get food like even at halftime. I I think I just stuffed my plate so much. Oh, I went back. Yeah, I went back for the uh, <laughs> buffalo chicken dip. That was really good. See, I kind of wish I, I had gone back to go get some of that, but it was really good. So people who were asking um, earlier, just uh, throughout the game, like just not even comparable to really what Soldier Field offers. And this was very similar setup that they kind of had in Vegas for the Raiders game that I went to, where it was kind of like a buffet style, and you had a bunch of seating and. Just, you had options. Like, I have popcorn that's still waiting for me, like, over <laughs> where I left um, some of my other stuff here when I go right later. But, yeah, they had options, and it was really good. And, you know, that's that's also what's better about this, this Packers. A little bit, a uh, little bit. Know, the, the rivalry here. But, you know, we'll talk about this game. We'll kind of enter the first quarter of the show where, um, you know, Will would usually have his monster moment of the game. And, you know what, Mason? I think the monster moment is just kind of the sequence – of what happened in, in the second half of this game. Um, because it was just trying trying to reflect here. It was what a twenty-four to twenty-one game at half, or is that is that off uh, here? So that just was kind of looking... twenty-seven to twenty-one. So okay. Let's yeah, twenty-seven twenty-one. So the Bears are up. But then in I think it was ten plays the Packers had run. They had a nine play touchdown drive. And then there was the the fumble. Um that led to a touchdown pass to Aaron Jones on the left. So, so there was a swing of momentum of just 10 plays that was a 14-point swing. Packers go up, and I think that's what kind of led to the downfall of the Bears, really the second half, if hmm. you want to really think about it. Like, nine-day difference, and Matt Nagy talked about it in the first half. Like, it was fun playing football in the first half, and it, it was fun to actually watch. The Bears were in it, but I really thought that, once the second half came out, and Robert Quinn talked about it too, it's like, you know, they came out flat, and it's just, you wonder why, though. They talked about the emphasis at halftime, like, yeah, we're up, but uh, there's a, that guy number 12 on the other side. they you got to keep on scoring, and for some reason, offensively, defensively, even special teams just came off flat, and that's what kind of ended up being, you know, the reason why the Bears end up losing this game. But So it's not even a monster moment. It's a monster half. 
<laughs> monster half of those 10 plays that I think really swung this game. But Mason, is there, is there a stat that really, that really kind of encapsulates what, what happened here? Just something that stood out to you? They were, I, I'm torn between two, so I'm going to have to go with both because I think both are really important. One of them was actually something that was, for me, a, an X factor in this game for the offense more specifically, okay. and that was that turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. And could the Bears, specifically, I called out Justin Fields, could he stay in a, a, above that, ahead of that, right? And unfortunately, the answer is no. First of all, Aaron Rodgers doesn't try to turn the ball over almost ever. Um, and the one time there was actually a fumble in the backfield, of course, the Packers recover it because the ball just bounces the Packers' way. That's how football works. Um, but then Justin had two interceptions, one of them near the end of the game where you're just here pressing a little bit more. The pass rush was funky on that one. There, there's a variety of other things, but it still happened. And then, of course, there's also the, that strip sack. Uh, that That's three turnovers. Yeah. Right? And – a couple, one of them was a pick six led directly to points. Um, that strip sack also led directly, I believe, to another seven points. So that right there is 14 points. Um, that's almost the deficit right then and there. If you go for a second stat, and I think this one's important, one. That's the number of carries that Dave Montgomery had in the second half. And you were winning coming out of halftime. So you have the lead. What got you there? And what got you there was special team play, and we'll get we'll have more heavily into this, but two longer plays. You're, you you weren't dinking and diving all over the field. You weren't Aaron Rodgers. Why would you get away from, in theory, your best player, you know, to, to get you to the promised land? And not just your best player, but your group of best players, Dave Montgomery, Damian Williams, and Khalil Herbert. No, those are, those are really good points there, Mason. Like, I think, you know, just kind of go to wherever my segment's called. Like, I always forget it. Mariano Minute, I guess. But – you know, the Bears had 247 yards of total offense in that first half. They looked good. They were they were getting some explosive plays. You know, Justin Fields was making some throws, even though there's some that he missed, and we'll definitely highlight it too. But the offense was generating points, some that had not been really uh, an emphasis for, for that entire unit for the entire season, but they were doing that in the first half. At one point, the Bears had 17 yards of offense <laughs> in, in, you know, halfway or midway through the third quarter, almost entering the fourth. And it's like, you just had 247 yards of total offense. Clearly what had happened was one team made halftime adjustments. The other team did not. And, of course, looking at the scoring, given these two teams, you already know who that is. You don't even need to know the end result. You would just automatically guess. Green Bay probably made halftime adjustments. Chicago did not. That's exactly what kind of happened in this one. So, and that's just uh, I think what kind of really I get I think just shows with this Bears team they they had a half of football they they really I think embraced it but there's two of them just in case Matt Nagy and the Bears Bears uh, team didn't know that. So Mason, let's um let's get into talking about this uh, this Bears offense. But before we do. We got to talk about our partnership with Owen that I do get, I think, just a little excited about every time I talk about him. But if you're like me and Mason, we we like to work out, stay active, and after a great workout, it's important to give your body the amino acids it needs to repair and rebuild proteins. And that's why we drink Owen. That's right, Owen, which stands for only what you need. All of Owen's products are plant-based, free of artificial ingredients, and are allergen-friendly. Plus, Owen uses high-quality and carefully selected ingredients to make all of its products easily digestible, like their Pro Elite Chocolate High Protein Shake, one of my favorite ones. Also, got to try the No Nut Buttercup. 
also a really good one. And we first heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields, who does follow a plant-based diet. Get 20% off your first purchase with code TCA20 at liveowenowin.com. That's 20% off your first purchase at liveowen.com. And remember to use that code TCA20. Every time you do that, a little bit of what you purchase does come back to the Chicago Audible. So it's a great way to, one, get great protein, but also to support the podcast. So join myself, Mason, the Chicago Audible, Justin Fields, and try Owen only what you need. All right, Mason, let's talk about this Bears offense. They had, like I was saying, 247 yards of total offense, scoring the 27 points first half. Justin Fields making some throws. Let's let's I think it's only fair to split this into two. What did you kind of, what did you like about the offense in the first half? If you want to go player specific or what they're doing in general, what kind of clicked for them? And I think you have to look at this at least with one overarching thought process going into this is still knowing and understanding Justin Fields is not 100%. He yeah. said as much himself, you know, when asked, uh, he said it was at 90% and that he had pain, but it was the same kind of pain with every single throw. It didn't get really any better, didn't get any worse. Yeah. Now, Justin Fields is a really tough guy. We've seen that in college. We've seen that so far in his short career in the NFL. So for him, my thought process would be, that small amount of bearable pain, he said, that it was affecting his throws. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think you saw that. But he definitely had ups and downs, even within, like you said, like the first half and the good parts. Like he was able to overcome that. Now, long story in terms of what the Bears have to do to help him fully overcome that and putting on that PT hat for a second. I mean, the rotation that you need through that thoracic spine and the rib cage, you know, the expansion you need, especially when you start breathing harder, and that's a lot of stress on the ribs. And then we saw there were multiple times he did get hit and got up gingerly too. So that is something that they're going to have to think about. Now, in terms of the good stuff, there were some things to talk about there. Um, I didn't like what I saw them use, how they use Jakeem Grant. I think that was kind of how Matt Nagy wanted to use Tariq Cohen Mm -hmm. unsuccessfully (laughs) the last couple of years that that Nagy's been here. But, I mean, that jet sweep, which really ended up being a pass for Justin, and Justin mentioned also, too, how he was really happy that that was the case. I mean, that's exactly what you see from some of these other explosive offenses that, in theory, Nagy's come off of. The Eagles, the Chiefs, right? Being able to use a player that falls into maybe that Tyree Kill, you know, just like gadget-y player, that was fantastic. And it's I love seeing his emergence, which, and then you can obviously go to special teams with that. Then um, you saw Demir Bird, obviously. He had mm-hmm. uh, ran a great route. It was an option route. He ran right exactly where Justin needed him to be took off and finally was able to see his speed, which we haven't seen in a while. It kind of stops there though, in terms of the conversation. So what did you like? Yeah. So I think early on, like Justin Fields was facing a lot of pressure in this game. Mm -hmm. Like there were throws that he was making where he completes a throw. But if you look, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, like Fields is on the ground. So he's making the throws despite having pressure in his face. So I did like how, I guess the confidence that he kind of still had within himself because he also talked about that. Like that 10% was like just, you know, knowing that, hey, you're going to take hits and things like that. So we kind of mentioned that in his press conference. So throwing and delivering some of those passes. Now there were there was a corner route towards the right sideline where Justin Fields, he kind of has like a, a hitch in his in his in his throwing motion, is laid on the throw to Darnell Mooney. But then you also see like he's using his legs to be decisive in his decision making. So you like to see that on the on the pick six, like he was asked about it. He's like, 
yeah, not, like in, in hindsight, like he wants to throw that outside. And Rasul Douglas has been – he's been balling. And we talked about in the preview podcast. He could have put another pick today. He could have easily. So he's been he's been sitting on some routes and kind of jumping um, those shorter routes. So in the Bears, you know, as Allen Robinson, who was a very uh, a focal point in this game, ran some hitch- hitches and, you know, Rasul Douglas was able to jump an out route to Mooney and break up a pass to Allen Robinson who ran a hitch. So – you got to give credit to the Packers players for making those plays, but I did like that um, from, from Justin Fields, just being able to kind of trust himself to make some of the throws, but also I think there were times where he gave like a cold commit, like the very first possession where I think he missed, he does miss uh, Allen Robinson in the back um, back corner. I think that's the right play where Cole. Komet, yeah. He threw it just a little outside, for a little Komet. outside where, you know, you'd love to see, you'd love to see that one that pass just be completed because I feel like Fields and Komet have been trying to make that work. It was against the 49ers where it was kind of mm-hmm. a similar Fred to Fred Wagner was on. Yeah, him, Fred on that Warner, play. yeah. Warner. So just in, in the end zone, they couldn't connect. Again, in prime time, you, you can't connect here. Um, you have to settle for three points. So, and you know, just with given the, the offense on the other side of the Green Bay Packers, settling for three is it's just not good enough. So they're able to get that going, I think, pretty well in, in this game. And, then, like you said, it like in the second half, it was just out of rhythm. There was, I think, there was a lot more pressure too. And Tevin Jenkins was in the game, so that's that's another aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, he had he, talk about two halves. I mean, Bears, and then obviously Tevin Jenkins. Also, he did pretty well in that first half, and then unfortunately, second half, a lot more penalties, gave up some pressures. But he hasn't played in a long time his last football game was in college november 2019 if i'm not which is ridiculous um he didn't have training camp he didn't have otas even right no and then he hasn't played in the season except for two snaps on special teams last week i was fine with what i saw i mean like do i want him to be better yes that's not that's not enough but at the same time, I'm not going to crucify him and say like, you know, he's he's a bust or anything like that. Or he's like Tevin, you you know have to be. Yes, you, he's going to be better. He, there's there's no way that's Tevin at his best. And then from that physical again therapy standpoint, there's also no way he's currently at 100 health in terms of who he's ultimately can be. Right? I mean, I bet if you put him on a scale right now, he's probably not at the weight he wants to be. I'm sure he's lost some he lost some degree of muscle mass in terms of what he's able to do there and just the muscle memory, the twitch ability, all that stuff. So he's not a finished product by wait and see the growth that he has over the rest of this year and then into next year. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, also it's like you have Tevin Jenkins out in space on the screen plane, he gets called for a hold. It's like the guy is in his first game, it's like why are you putting all this out on his plate? It's just, it, it was kind of interesting to me to see him. Yeah. I, I guess, look, you know, you, you still want to be able to call your full, you know, offense, I guess, but still it's like, you got to put guys in some advantageous situations for themselves, especially for a guy that, you know, is making his, not his first career start, but first significant snaps at the left tackle position for the first time since, like I said, November, 2019. So it's been a while for him and like, Definitely what Mason said. You don't I, – I wouldn't overblow it, right? He's going against Preston Smith. It's primetime football. It's the Green Bay Packers. They have a really good defense. I think he's a guy that will look at the film and only look to get better from this. But something I think you do overblow is what some of the other players are doing or lack thereof. Darnell Moody and Allen Robinson are not are not doing enough right now. Um, part of it is got obviously going to be game planning, uh, but A-Rob is – 
is not doing there were there was a play in the corner of the end zone where it was you know justin had to kind of throw it up it wasn't necessarily like the easiest catch to make by any stretch of the imagination but i didn't love the effort there darnell mooney had another drop today and that's just if it was if that was the only time that it happened it wouldn't be a big deal but it's the fact that it keeps showing up every week you justin as poor as he also had moments of poor play today and he needs to be better he needs the weapons around him to also be better. I completely agree. I mean, what Darnell Mooney was, I don't remember his official stat line against the Cardinals, but it not it, it was non-existent. He had the one reception for 19 yards. Oh, gosh. So it's like that's your leading receiver. And obviously Allen Robinson and Justin Fields, there's still – there's still it's still a work in progress, and you know that that corner in the back right of the end zone, like you, you described, Mason, kind of I think shows a disconnect still. So, if your top guys are not producing, no wonder it's kind of hard to consistently generate offense throughout an entire game, not just a half. And really, those two guys were a part of the 247 yards really of total offense, except for Darren Moves, what 19 yard receptions, one reception of the game. So you need to have those guys step up, like Cole Komet. Three receptions, 17 yards, wasn't a big fact. The tight ends really weren't a big fact. And like even when Jimmy Graham was asked to chip block on the on the fumble that Tevin Jenkins, like he got called for. It like, wasn't a great chip block. Jimmy Graham's not doing anything. <laughs> it's like you have guys that are there to help out. Like, look, the play design, maybe that's a questionable thing. Why are you putting Jimmy Graham out there to, to help? Right. So it's like those questionable personnel decisions. Where's Jesse James? I, I I loved what he did in, in the preseason. He showed bits and pieces in spots when he's allowed to be on the field this season and then just disappears. And it's like, did he do something wrong? Is he doing? Is he not doing something on the film or in practice that we're missing? Because it seems like he is holding his blocks. It seems like he's running routes appropriately. I just don't get why he can't get in there instead of having Jimmy Graham. No, no, it's a good point. And it's so funny that you mentioned Jesse James because he wasn't, I, what, not, no, not on the stat line, not anywhere. But I noticed when he came out of the tunnel right at the very beginning. So he walked out. I'm like, why is Jesse James just walking? It's right in the very beginning of the game. And then he just full on sprints. And that was the last sprint you saw from Jesse James because <laughs> he didn't really get on the field. But yeah, I'm just kind of noticing some of those things just to see. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, Mason. I mean, it's just, it is, it's questionable with, you know, a lot of the moves that the Bears have been doing. But. So we talked about players. We haven't really talked a lot about the coaching aspect. And I know we're going to get into this on the Packers side when we get to how the Bears defense played. But going into halftime, like you said, there was clearly a team that adjusted and a team that didn't. You saw what Devontae Adams was able to do, right? And then you didn't see what Matt Nagy could do. Like, hey, I'm not getting A-Rob Darnell Mooney involved enough. What can I do to get them more involved? And that just wasn't seen. No, it wasn't. Again, the lack of what what a good coach can do for a team, like scheme up Devontae Adams, get more involved in the second half, as opposed to what the Bears didn't do for their offensive skill players in the second half. And that's why they had, I don't know how many points, they scored 27 in, in the first half, so they scored three. So that's all they can, they can muster up there. Um, Mason, is there... Anything else offensively? We talked about David Montgomery not being used in the second half, being one of your best primary weapons. We talked about some of the other supposedly primary weapons not stepping up in this primetime game. But Justin Fields, um, I think did, you know, I think he did show growth though in this game, despite one not having played since 
what the 30 snaps he played against the Ravens now seems like almost a month ago, but there were some throws that he missed. I think that's kind of expected. He's still dealing with those ribs and he's feeling it on every throw, but I still think you saw some, you saw some really good things from Justin Fields. Yes. You don't want to see the, the turnovers holding onto the ball and things like that, but uh, you see what, how dangerous he can be with his legs that if his skilled guys help him out, he can definitely put the ball in stride like to a Demir bird or, Hey, if he just needs to do a little flip pass to Jakeem Brandon can also do that as well. But is there anything else, Mason, that you want to talk about with this offense before we get to the other side of the ball? Last thing I would say in terms of growth, uh, next-gen stats had a pretty cool stat where under pressure, Justin today was 8 for 17 for 122 yards, which was most by a rookie this season. And in terms of his scrambles, he had seven carries for 71 rushing yards, four first downs, 28 of those yards were yards above expected or basically Mm -hmm. right yards that they didn't think that really he would be able to get. So so that's growth. A lot of the problems today, I really, really do put towards more so health than him in particular. No, absolutely. And actually that was like a, like the narrative around Justin Fields, like, Oh, he struggles against the blitz. So Mm -hmm. we're going to blitz him, see how he handles it. You know, first game back in a while, looked like he handled it pretty well. And that, that offensive line was giving up some pressure. So, um, he had to kind of and kind of show today. So let's get to um, that Bears defense again. That was a tale of two halves. And before we do, do I have another ad read here, Mason? Maybe not. Okay, we can actually, oh, I guess we can talk about this. Yes. Um, so we're here at um, obviously Lambeau Field doing the postgame show. I, we may be the last one in all the suites here because they're kind of closing up shop everywhere around. They're probably eyeing this room. Yeah. Get out of here. But we'll, we'll get out of here when we're done. Um, but if you want to send us a donation through Venmo, you can just do that at the Chicago Audible. And we did get a $50 donation. And um, the individual did not said we didn't need a shout out. But I'll abide by, by um, what you said in the Venmo. But just know we appreciate that. Um, you know, helps pay the expense of getting down here and getting back, getting back home, which I plan on doing that. Later today, but you are staying in Airbnb. How far away? Mason? I'm about an hour east of here. So, like, okay. just chill. Not too bad. And then we'll make the drive home tomorrow morning. Nice. See, there we go. All right. So, let's talk about this Bears defense. And actually, Bryce, you're going to start this off. I saw this comment earlier. Nicholas, what do we do with the secretary? Well, that's – I mean, that could be a whole podcast in itself, Mason. But I mean, I think it's – I mean, to answer that question, I think it's easy you you revamp it almost entirely. You have Jalen Johnson, you have Eddie Jackson, and then the rest are probably going to be different. I mean, your other corner, basically anyone else who isn't those two names probably won't be here next season. And whether it's through free agency or the draft, you're going to add to that. Maybe a Tashawn Gibson will be back because he's, he's solid and he's kind of got plug and play. Just he gets the job done up to an extent. But other than that, you're starting over. You are starting over, and, man, you really saw what – when an offensive like uh, play caller like a Matt LaFleur knows there is a weakness, they will attack that weakness. And they saw 21, Xavier Crawford, as a weakness out there. Artie Burns was being a, a liability out there. One, having bad angles. Uh, there were personal fouls. There was the interception that he missed. he mistimed his jump. Early on, where it was it was on a third down play. It was a big play. I think it was to Alan Lazard, if I, if I remember correctly. But everybody else other than Jalen Johnson, Jalen Johnson did get, you know, become a little bit a part of that at the end. But Devontae Adams is going to do his thing. He's too good of a receiver to lock down 
for an entire game. But when you have a play caller that knows that, they attack it. They exploit those matchups. They they force you to make an adjustment. And if you can't, they're you're going to keep giving up yards. You're going to keep your defense out there. You're going to give up points. And that's kind of what ended up happening with the the secondary. You you have Xavier Crawford, who was a liability. They ended up taking him out, and Eddie Jackson was playing the nickel. That's what that was ended up happening. Yeah, and that's you have someone in Eddie Jackson who's playing totally out of position, and you know that you maybe you touch on it in practice, but you don't spend a lot of time. It's more of like you t- you know it's a paper and pen whiteboard yeah, kind of a yeah. thing. I think he did, he did fine. I he, think so he, too. I mean, you when you're asked to do something, you're you almost never practice, and you see that as a result, more than okay. And then in terms of Jalen Johnson, he was asked. What is your preference, right? Do you want to shadow the best player every single time, or do you want to you know, be on a side? And I like to think back to Kyle Fuller, who was always like, no, I like my side. I'm good. And that was always a problem for me. Um, that's why I was not the most sad when Kyle Fuller left, to be quite honest. And his ter- current tenure with the Broncos, I think, is proving me right, but that's a whole other conversation. But then Jalen Johnson went on to say that he knows there's things he needs to improve on, right? He knows that he needs to be a little bit better in zone. He knows he needs to improve his run fits, and he knows that he needs to improve his coverage in the slot. That is what I want out of my second-year cornerback right at this point. He is able to hang with one of the best receivers in the league, acknowledges his faults, and is clearly going to put the work in and make it better. No, and that's that's a sign of a true leader. And after a game like this, like, look, Jalen Johnson talking to the media. It's Look, it was Robert Quinn and Jalen Johnson from the defense. And those are two of the guys that have been – obviously, Roquan Smith's, of course, a part of that. But um, those are guys that have been consistently playing well this defense and they have they're they're there to talk when even a, a devastating loss like this when they were up at halftime and they're feeling good about themselves and they give up that second half but um Jalen Johnson and look it was the one play right at the end he talked about it too we shouldn't have given up that touchdown before the half um what it ended up being was Xavier Crawford and Jalen Johnson were on the side to Devontae I think it was a 35 yard touchdown something like that but what I think the the Packers did credit to them scheme they kind of switched it to where Crawford ended up being on Jalen John or on Devontae Adams instead of Jalen Johnson. So it's um something that again a good offensive play caller will do. And that's how you get that's how you take away your best cover corner off your best receiver and you know put the advantage towards your situation. Do we have like thunder and lightning Jeez, are, the, are the fireworks coming back again? That would be that would just be awful right now. It's like dead quiet and just have fireworks go off. Going on a tangent here. Um, Robert Quinn got another sack today. The man is he got two just, sacks today. So he got two, the man doesn't stop. Yeah, he doesn't stop. Well, and, and asked, you know, he was asked a couple different things, and he was surprised. He said that the defense came out as flat as they did yeah. in that second half. He was surprised the pass rush didn't continue as well as it did. Um, but at this point, that when asked why he is doing so well and. He's in the way, I believe, before the game started, he was four. No, after the first sack, he was four and a half sacks away from Dent's record. Yeah. So now he should be in theory about three and a half sacks away from it, if my math is correct, which is probably not. So someone fact check me on that. <laughs> um, but he said, you know, he's back to just having fun, you know, playing ball again. He's mentally and spiritually in a better place. Uh, obviously, there's a, there's a bit of a physical aspect in that. So he's back to that essentially all pro form that he had. Uh, the last time he was on this pace for sacks, and it's it's really great to see. We, and one of the things I did like about it too is when asked, one of the first things he said was, "Well, I think I need to step up more in terms of you know, there's so many other people rotating out of that other linebacker spot, Phil Mack not being there, um, you know, Christian Jones sometimes being in and out, things of that nature." And he's like, "I need to step up for do more first 
but I can also then show these other young guys what to do too. So that's what Ryan Pace paid for initially when, you know, last year, unfortunately it was a little late, but better late than never. No, definitely. I, I love his, uh, how he kind of just approaches everything that he does. He's very, pretty soft spoken to, and you know, he's, he's been a part of two really tough seasons for the bears, yeah. right? Um, it's tough personal season, but now seeing that he, at least he's, he said he's trying to have fun and, you know, trying to have fun in a four and nine season is pretty tough, but Robert Quinn's doing his thing. But Mason, you actually bring up Ryan Pace, who, so how this is set up and it will, we'll, we'll touch on this. Um, you have the media, they're kind of scattered throughout the amazing press box they here. They have here at Lambeau field, but Mason and I were in the first row. And so you go up a couple stairs right to the left. Ryan Pace is right there. So we're not like in individually separated. We're all in the same space, but there are a couple plays throughout the game. There are a couple times throughout the game where you see the emotion coming off. Like you could see um, what Ryan Pace is feeling. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how in depth I want to get with this, but yeah, there's definitely um, there roller was, coaster of emotions, roller coaster of emotions, but also some, you could just tell based on facial expressions, things he didn't quite agree with. And that's how I'll kind of leave it there, Mason. But we're all in the same space there. Um, it was very similar to, again, like the Vegas setup. So Ryan Pace was there. I wasn't really paying attention too much to his mannerisms, but he, you could see it on the window in front of us. You can see the reflection. But there's some things he didn't quite agree with. Uh, getting back to the defense. Um, man, Mason, I don't even know where to take this. Like, where where do we go? I think I don't, this- I don't think there's as much to talk with the defense, um, to be completely honest, because it's like, you're playing with a ton of backups. I mean, Bruce Irvin, Xavier Crawford. Oh, constantly, uh, yeah. you, you can go on and DHC on. DHC left. You got to Carson to go out. Roquan Smith went out with a hamstring at one point. Um, there are a lot of injuries. And it's so this is not the defense that's going to be here next year, whether it's because of skill or because of injury or whatever the case may be. So keeping all – and then you're going against Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers is going to do his thing. Matt LaFleur is going to do his thing, which we saw with how well they adjusted. I mean, Alan Lazard played, had a great game, and who the heck would have thought that? Um, they did really well in terms of getting the running game going with A.J. Dillon. Yeah. Like, it's – this the, – the defensive output is not reflective entirely of what ultimately this is – this team is this year for the most part, and ultimately it is next year. So it's like – you chalk it up to, all right, you played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. All right, move on. You know what? I will say one thing. Like, what you saw in the second half, though, it seemed like they were they – were, it's not like the Packers had deep vertical passing plays. That wasn't really oh, – a lot of dink and It dunk. was dink and dunk and quick, and they had – they'll have Devontae Adams in the slot or whoever in the slot and have their outside most receiver maybe run a slant to get in the way of whoever was defending that, that, that wide receiver in the slot and just – create these natural passing lanes to for Rodgers to just get get to whoever it was in space in the flat, turn up field, get 7, 11, like these little smaller chunks of yards to eventually move down the field. And, again, Sean Desai just didn't, I guess, didn't adjust quite as well. Um, again, given he is given with, uh, you know, a lot of players that are not supposed to be in the, the starting lineup. But, you know, that was one of the adjustments I did kind of know. They kind of went quick. Fast pace, attack the flats. If you can't stop it, we'll keep doing it. And kind of did that marching right down the field. And it also doesn't help. I think it was Mason after the fumble. 
down here in the end zone. Was it was that Blal Nichols in coverage? On yeah, Blal Nichols was in coverage. <laughs> like again, that's just that's over, that's outthinking yourself. That was the Chuck Pagano rushing three last year kind of a thing. That's why the heck are you dropping Blal Nichols? I can forgive you for not having the personnel to be able to have a good second corner out to be able to have a good slot corner out because injuries happen. Thing you didn't make this roster as Sean Desai. Sean Desai. You put Bilal Nichols out there trying to cover a wide receiver. Like, stop it. Maybe like, hey, we need to get someone other than Xavier Crawford. Crazy. Let's Just try. Crazy. Let's try Bilal Nichols Just out there. Crazy. But yeah, so I think that kind of about wraps it up for the defensive discussion. Um, Mace will go into the fourth quarter of our show. Quick hit on special teams, but this there's a lot there's, to talk there, there about. There is a lot to team. talk about special teams. Where where do we want to? I mean, obviously, Jakeem Grant's a big part of that. Khalil Herbert with all of his returns, they were giving the Bears offense really good field position on a lot of the returns that they had in this game. So that was definitely a plus. This is probably, no, probably this was the best special teams performance in terms of the return game, for sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, anything else that you want to kind of add to this? I mean, Jakeem Grant talked about it. Uh, Chris Tabor was telling the guys all week, this is a return week. Uh, literally for returns. Yeah. And so they saw something on film that they could exploit, and they were 100% right. Khalil Herbert had five returns uh, in the kicker, in the kicking game for 128 yards, 25.6 average, wow. pretty good. He did have the one fumble, which isn't fantastic, yep. but you know the Bears, uh, Cole Komet, who everyone hates apparently now, um, was able to <laughs> was able to do that. And then of course you had Jakeem Grant, who had three punt returns for 131 yards, 43.7 average, one touchdown, and I mean that's why. Ryan Pace traded for him, right? I mean, you can see what special teams can do. And it hides some of your blemishes. It hides your blemishes on defense because, you know, you weren't able to make a stop the previous play uh, because you let the offense drive down a bit more so you get a better punt return. It hides the blemishes on offense because they don't have to go on the field when you can get a kick return. Uh, And that inflated a bit what the Bears were able to do on offense. And I'm, I don't know, for me personally, some people were like, oh, why the heck did you trade that kind of a pick for just as someone who kick, returns kicks, but we saw A, he can do stuff on offense, B, definitely impactful on special teams. And I know Jakeem Grant was joking even this last week. Some of the guys were like, oh, I thought you were supposed to be the best punt return in the league. Like, what are you doing? We haven't seen anything. He's like, oh, God, I got you guys. And there you go. You saw it on the field. He got him. Yeah, and the one other thing I want to mention about special teams, the Kindle Vildor running out of bounds. That was like, stupid. That was – that's one of those calls where, man, I mean – Look, the Bears ended up punting on on that sequence, but they were down 11. So, one, maybe that play doesn't even happen because I don't think the Bears should have gone for for the punt on that. You're down 11. It's 35 to 27, and it's a – what is it? Trying to find it here. Maybe it's – yeah, right here. You're – it just didn't make much sense. You were down in the game. It's fourth quarter, and you're punting in the situation, but – yeah, Vildor being called for that because I, I know I saw a Green Bay Packers like gunner. That who, flow that was floating around the Twitterverse yeah, where literally the yeah. same thing was pushed out of bounds. If anything, stayed out of bounds stayed longer, out, mm-hmm. ran down the Bears sideline and then came back in. But the refs didn't call it both ways. So. Yeah, so that that really was a, a momentum. That was a touchdown. It mm-hmm. took away a touchdown from the Bears. Um, does that change the outcome of the game? I don't know, but it it did have an impact for sure. But that's that's another thing that um you know I just want to mention here. For the special teams aspect, um, Mason, let's do quickly our MVBs of the game. We'll get into our two-minute warning and call the show. But who who was the MVB of tonight? Uh, Jakeem Grant. It's the Jakeem Grant game. If the Bears had somehow pulled out the victory here, 
I'm pretty sure when you look back at the, you know, the annals of history, that's what would have gotten pulled out of it. Uh, without him on both offense and defense, this game would not have been what it was. No, I, I agree. Um, special it's hard. teams, not defense. He was on special teams. Didn't play defense. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there is someone else who's, I guess, worthy of being the MVP. You didn't have any of your other receivers really step up. David Montgomery wasn't a focal point for the entire game, so he couldn't be there defensively. Like Jalen Johnson played a fantastic game for oh, for did. majority yeah. of this game, and like you said, Demonte Adams is going to get hits. He's that he's a great receiver, but I have to give it to Jakeem Grant too. He was just he's electric, man. He when he gets the ball in his hands and you know going one way, turning around, just like you can't help but think of like Devin Hester. Esque moments like like those generate it's the first punt return touchdown in the league we saw it here on sunday night football against the packers in lambeau field so that was really cool to see but i also have to give it to um jakeem grant as my mvp or how, how did they pronounce his name they kept calling him yakeem yakeem like on the radio announce like the press box announcer that only you know we can hear in the press box but and then they called uh demir beard <laughs> that was did. a good one demir beard oh demir beard but um all right mason Two-minute warning. The Bears are four and nine. It look look when we entered like that, the press conferences. Like Demir Bird looked like he had just got done, honestly crying. Matt Nagy looked like he had he was holding back some tears there. It's it was an emotional loss. They felt it for sure. But the Bears are now four and nine. Play anyone who mentions playoffs and Bears just put not happening in between those things. But yeah, where do you want to take this, Mason? For your not last two minute warning, but two minute warning here at an empty Lambeau Field. So it's, I think what a lot of fans have to keep in mind is for the players and coaches too. It's just as if not more emotional than it is for a fan, right? I mean, we're sitting at home on our couch and we get involved, but at the end of the day, we turn the TV off, we go to bed, and you know we deal with our own lives. This is their life. Right. I mean, whether it's with the Bears long term or whether it's auditioning for the next contract or or whatever the case may be, this is important to them. This is their life and this is their livelihood. So um, when we throw around, you know, fire this person, cut this person, this person's a bust, it's, it's a little too much. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things I want to take away from that, because this was actually one of the first press conferences I got to go to. So to see the the look and the, the feel of when a Demir Bird was up there at the podium, that when a Matt Nagy was up there at the podium, that for me was very important. Um, and then also to focus, to think about what is happening on the field, of course, too. And with Justin Fields, I, I can't say it enough. He's not at 100%. He's not. I I would challenge anybody in, on, to, on who's on Twitter, who's in our chat, or wherever on ESPN, who to get cracked ribs and then go out and play a football game a couple weeks later. I, I would love to see you do that because the average person can barely get out of bed and shower, let, say. let alone do that. So let's congratulate him for what he could do. Let's look at the growth that was there and let's hope for continued growth as we finish and wrap up the season. You know, and I'll kind of build off that continued growth and let's try to not put Justin Fields in harm's way. We don't need these crack ribs to get any worse than they are. And they're already still affecting him on every single throw. So yeah, that's that's obviously the focal point. It's been it's when the Bears moved up to select fields at number eleven, that became the whole goal of the season: develop Justin Fields to ultimately have him become 
your franchise, which he already is already, obviously the um, taking back his starting role, but that that's a focal point. And these last kind of, they're not meaningless games because Justin Fields is still getting these reps that are going to mean something down the road for him. But that should be the, obviously continue the focal point, but like, I think for uh, Mason, what you kind of touched on with like what Matt Nagy and Demir Bird, like these are people. I, I can't imagine like having to tell your family, we're, I lost my job and I get it. Like, you know, you have to be able to perform and he knows what he signed up for, but everything that's kind of going on, it looks like it's ending up. It's going to end up to that. Yeah. It's not a matter of if, but when, but it, it is a, it's a crappy situation to be in. So, um, you know, you don't have to be, you know, you know, extra mean on Twitter uh, tomorrow or whatever. They, he knows he lost. And I think it, it really kind of showed in, in that locker room today. There was a lot of emotion. We saw it in the press. Game. Like, that's usually not even a – like, there are some guys that are emotional or passionate or whatever, but I feel like it, it leaked out of the locker room a little bit, just kind of how they were feeling. So, yeah, just keep that in mind. But the Bears are 4-9. and nine. They have another primetime game against the Minnesota Vikings and – We'll see how that goes. Maybe if they, you know, they, you know what they did talk about though, like that first half, that's what they've been building up for. It just seems, it's just so inconsistent when they can actually get all that together to get that product on the field. And still, you still have a pick six in there. You still have, you know, miscommunication on Devontae Adams. Like, so there's still mishaps, but they were, they look better. So can the Bears strive to consistently get that in these last four games and, not just a half, but maybe an entire game. We'll have to wait and see, but I'm going to cap it off there. We are the probably the last people here at Lambeau Field. We'll, we'll see. Maybe I have to go back to the press box anyway. But appreciate everybody, 60 people watching at, what is it, about to be 1 in the morning? Don't um, you want to work tomorrow? Go, go to bed. <laughs> I know we do. So, or wait, you're not working. No, I took tomorrow off. <laughs> I am technically still on the clock tomorrow, but we'll see if I end up uh, going to work. But uh really appreciate everybody for, for tuning in. Um, for you know just following mason and i just throughout our coverage for the entire night here at lambeau field it's been awesome i'm so glad we got to do this and got to experience this and be here you can just it, there there is something to being at lambeau field so anybody who hasn't been try to put that in your bucket list maybe not to come watch a bears game maybe it could be for something else but really appreciate um everybody for watching and who will download this podcast and listen to well i guess later this morning but I'll I'll end it there, but until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.